Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Asia, welcome to the World XP Podcast. How are you? Hi, fabulous. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So before we jump in, do you want to do a little bit of an intro um, just so the people listening can get some context into where you get the perspectives for the answers and the conversation that you'll have, and then we can then we can jump right into it? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, what, what it is I do here. Um, so I am, I'm in New Mexico right now, and uh, I started out at 19 in property management. So uh, multifamily, like you go to rent an apartment and the people who work in the office, uh, so I went from leasing consultant all the way up to property manager when I um, ended my work on site in like around 2019. So when I did that, I realized after dropping down every couple of years as a military spouse in a new place that um, I wanted to affect change for that industry on a different level and not just one community and not just swapping out every, excuse me, every couple of years, but actually being able to like bring it with me and help everybody everywhere, no matter where. I was located and just, you know, increase that reach because it is a very broken industry. There's a lot of people who are frustrated as tenants and also people who work for those companies. So um, it really just ignited my, my passion to do that. So how did you, how did you get into that in the first place? And also I, I assume we'll get into this later, but what do you mean by broken industry? Yeah. Or like, cause, cause there's lots of industries that are broken at, at the moment. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm, so how did you sure. jump how did you jump into that in the first place was that something because it seems in my head people who think of real estate they like are trying to invest or maybe some people are trying to flip houses but like it's like halfway in property things but then also not like and I don't I don't know when I was growing up I never heard anyone be like I want to be in a leasing office <laughs> like, you know that, like <laughs> I didn't know that's anything. what I wanted to be yeah. when I grew up either uh yeah. so yeah, at, at 19, I was actually working for Marriott. I had a, an extended stay hotel and I'd, I'd been working there like, I think since I was like 16, I started out in the kitchen and then I finally turned 18 and I could serve alcohol. So they let me work at the front desk. Um, and for me, this was like a big girl job. So we actually, um, I started out at the newest apartment complex in Fredericksburg, Virginia in like like 20 years. Like they there were no new apartments in that area like at all. So I lived in Fredericksburg like way before Northern Virginia mm-hmm. exploded. Um, I went to Mary Washington, so I knew where that was. So yeah, um, my dad uh, worked in landscaping at the time. He uh, was like a area manager for a landscaping company, and he happened to uh, have worked with the lady who was going to end up being the property manager. And so uh, they had some staff changes, and she ended up um, interviewing me. We were actually living there at the time, so it just kind of worked out um, that there was space for me, and I ended up making the swap at nineteen and. Kind of got addicted to it. It's very chaotic, so that's how I got my start. So what? What about it? Do you made made you stick with it? You said it's chaotic, but like, what about it? Like, what makes you want to go into work every day? Gosh, everything about it. Everything makes you you want to like run for the door and run screaming at the same time. So, <laughs> um, for me, I absolutely loved that I was uh, getting a, a decent paycheck and that there was commission. But then, the longer that I spent doing it, I realized that. Um, it was really a privilege to me to be where everyone looks forward to showing up at the end of every day, which is their home. And so just having a part in that and actually getting to like live life with people and meet them and learn their story, especially when they're in a transitional point in their life where they're looking for a new place to live for all kinds of reasons. I just really, um, I love people and I love getting to know their stories and, and just having a piece and making something in their life that can either be really exciting or really hard, um, peaceful and, and enjoyable. Gotcha. Okay. So let's get to the broken part and how you ended up where you are now, because it takes, it takes a big leap. And a lot of people I talk to on here have their own businesses or side hustles or whatever. And it takes like kind of a, you have to basically jump ship from some sort of stability into basically betting on yourself. So you, what did you see that made you say, I can fulfill a need here? Like, what was the need that you saw that you were like, I can jump into this and be successful? And then what was it like for you to make that jump into starting your own business? Because like, I'm in an apartment now, it's run by some giant conglomerate that owns a gazillion apartments, as I'm sure a lot of them are. Um, so what what was the need that you saw? What made you think like that you would be successful within that? And kind of what was the tipping point for, yep, now it's time to, it's time to jump and, and take the risk? 
Yeah. Um, so there, yeah, there were, so when I say broken, I guess I'll start there. Um, I mean that, you know, everywhere that you go, obviously you find it in some way, it's the same. It's not always greener on the other side at a different company, a different location, a different size, a different team. Um, it's, it was pretty much the same everywhere as far as, um, quality and operations and, you know, companies that don't really value their tenants, they expect their employees to just like run until they're blue in the face. Um, it's really, depending on whether you're working for a big company or a smaller company, it still has to be about the bottom line and the dollar. And some companies are amazing. I worked for a really, really cool one that I learned so many great things from um, and kind of like righted all of the wrongs. I think I had learned working for a really good company for such a long time, but um, there's just a lot of uh, emotional turmoil in the offices. So uh, I'll say it, it's a cliche. It's it's mostly women. Um, there's a lot of men in the industry, of course, but um, most of the time that I spend it, it is dominated by women. Um, it's an industry that for the most part, when I spent a majority of it in it, you don't have to have a degree. Um, it's not super specialized. You can either learn on the job or you can you know, get certifications specific to the industry that don't require a college degree. Um, now it's a little bit different. It's a lot more competitive and they want more out of you. Um, but at the time, the, the barrier to get into it was kind of low. Um, and I think that that is part of the problem. Um, it's not that they'll take anybody. It's just so many different kinds of people get into it. And it's really transitional. There is always a problem with staffing because people kind of, you know, you start out and then you move on to something else or you move away or you realize that, holy crap, it's really stressful all day, every day. It has its really busy seasons that will really like emotionally push you to the edge. Um, and then just having staff of, of women is really common for there to be office drama. Um, which I'm sure happens at other offices, but I haven't worked in a lot of other offices, only only this kind. So yeah, um, yeah, the, the drama is definitely real. Um, so that team dynamic for me was um, something that was really hard for me to stick around with. Um, and it was recurring every time I went to a new office. There was definitely that like competition, like feeling out the new kid, you know, is she a threat or, you know, that kind of thing. So just a lot of like, honestly, just like high school bullying, really common mm. in the industry. There's some great people and really uplifting, but just a lot of a lot of that so that for the office side of it and then um i've been a renter like my whole adult life pretty much so as a renter just seeing like guys what are we doing here from like the condition of the house or the apartment when you move into it and the lack of of quality and the lack of caring for the most part like it's not a big deal um some places have checks and balances for that but they don't do a great job of it still um you just kind of get what you get and like even now it's, it's so much worse than it ever has been as far as like, you can either live here or you can find somewhere else to live. I don't really care. Someone else will come behind you and it doesn't really matter if we're doing it the right way or not. We'll just wait for somebody else. Hmm. So those are kind of the, like the pillars, I guess, yeah. for me that I want to help fight. So when you started your business, what was the, was the goal? Was there one one thing in particular that you wanted to kind that you wanted to specialize in of, of these problems or like when you started, what, like, what was the plan or what is yeah. the plan? I guess the plan uh, evolved a lot of times in the last three years. So um, I started like right around 2020. I'd been thinking about it for a couple of years before that. Um, and I decided to pull the trigger in 2020 of all years, um, which, you know, I didn't, couldn't have seen that coming. Nobody could have. So it's it's really evolved since then. I really thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be like a consultant for multifamily, um, just you know, big companies. And then I realized um, big companies don't have money to spend on that stuff, and they have their own kind of internal controls. They don't really need a consultant. They have regional managers. They have vice presidents. Like they have kind of their own way of fixing the problems. Even though it's not really fixing the problems by my standards, they don't. Um, really tend to look to outsiders very often. So mm. I kind of had to shift and and really do some soul searching and realize that um, there has to be a medium between being able to make money um, and being able to still serve my original purpose, um, which is mainly in the apartment industry, because that's what I know. That's what I've lived. Um, but I started to realize that I can really draw on and merge the two, all of the experience from multifamily and experience as a renter and then as a homeowner preparing to um, rent out a house and and be a landlord and all of that so I started to realize that 
the gap on that side was really more people looking to start property management. Now, especially everyone and their brother has decided it's a great idea to be a landlord. Um, so now the focus, I think, has really adjusted to fit today's needs as a resource for realtors, multifamily, as a passion hobby, really. Um, and then helping uh, military families, I think, is another thing for me because it's so common where people, you know, they, they dropped down, they bought a house, now you're PCSing, what do I do? Um, especially now with with super high rates and stuff like that, a lot more people are keeping their houses from low rates and trying to figure out how to, you know, do I go with a property management company? Do I manage it myself? So I'm um, really just being more of a coaching resource and webinars and just making things accessible to people. It's really, it's taken a full three years for me to figure it all out and hit stop and start uh, all those different places where I realized I needed to adjust in order for it to actually come alive and be something that was real, not just, you know, this is what I do, but I'm not actually doing it yet. Yeah, of course. How how do you how do you find work? Are you referral based or because I can imagine that you being independent, people who are using like real like realtor like companies and and things of that nature, they have in house sort of or there's bigger property management companies even that have like cleaning services and the and the handymen and like all the rest of the kind of the things that you would need. So how is, have you as a independent kind of person um been able to find like get your foot in and make it make it uh i guess consist consistent i guess maybe is maybe not the best word but it's the one that comes to mind now you know what I, you know you know yeah like I what totally, i'm asking totally okay. know what you mean. um i i really don't i don't pay for marketing much outside of like you know having a website and some of those things um it is very much referral based so for me i'm Fortunate enough that uh, over my lifetime, I've met a lot of really cool people and I don't meet people and stay in touch with them because I want something from them. I'm very, um, very genuine. So it was really cool to start something like this and have a lifetime of people go, that's really cool. Let me connect you with somebody or um, even just a, a couple of weeks ago, somebody that I actually um, paid in the beginning to do some business coaching with me to teach me some things. Um, like three or four years went by and he came back to me and was like, Hey, um, I'm in like in the real estate game. Now I'm part of um, a new project. And you're the first person that came to mind after we had a meeting today and we need some help with some things. So, you know, I thought back to you and like, let's set something up. So that was just really cool for me. It's, it's really relationship based and just, um, offering value anywhere that I can. I do spend a lot of time in like Facebook groups and places like that, where people go to ask questions of, of like peers and of other people in the industry and just offering value wherever you can and letting people decide for themselves if they need or want your help. That makes sense. Yeah. I've noticed that about this sort of industry, how, or I guess most things generally, when, when you are somebody that has an expertise that wants to work outside of a uh, normal company or whatever, so much of it is, have you created the relationships in the past to get you off the ground and then to grow? Like, is the snowball going to start to grow? Mm -hmm. um, I have friends that are in the like personal training business that have, have that and um, soccer coach. Like I, I do one-on-one -on -one training for soccer. So that's, it's been all referrals for me. Um, yeah. It's great. It's yeah. It's, so how have you, how have you been able to to do that as a military spouse, especially given I would imagine you're not in anywhere for longer than two, two-ish years or so. Uh, obviously, two years is a long time to build a relationship, but if you are always moving every two years, it can be difficult to open up to people in that way, knowing that, oh, well, I'm just going to leave them anyway, so it doesn't matter, and it's easy to shut off and do all those things. So how has that experience been like for you, building both the business but maintaining the relationships as you've been bouncing around from place to place? Um easy and hard I think at the same time I'm kind of used to it um you kind of get into a flow for me um I think in the last two years I've really just focused on not being so worried about feeling like I have to get super involved um in Missouri was our our last duty base before this um we were there for a little over two years um and I really just took some time to myself while we were there that's where I figured a lot of stuff out and learned a lot of stuff and and honestly just um, 
Um, I think being a military spouse is really one of the only reasons that I was able to have the freedom to 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 go from finishing college. I finished college like at almost 30 years old because, you know, why do it conventionally? Um, I took a break from working to finish college while we were in North Dakota. And then coming off of that, I we made a decision together that in Missouri, uh, my husband says, uh, he quotes Ron Swanson when we had this conversation, he was like, you know, you could either, um, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was basically you can either whole ass something or or half ass it. And you should probably just whole ass this, yeah. um, just go for it. Like I, you know, I'm supporting you. Like, let's, you know, take a couple of years, see what you can do while we're here in Missouri. If you can make it into something great, if not, like let's adjust and, and see if you need to do something like supplemental. Um, and so having, having my spouse's support and, and also having, I think the, the freedom of knowing that he has a job and he's probably not going to get fired out of nowhere. Um, like, you know, you would think about if you were in a business world job where you don't know what tomorrow is always. Um, that's really what's been, I think the, the opening door for me. Yeah. As for, for sure. moving everywhere, like it just, it just is what it is. Um, it does take a lot of energy. Um, I, try now to when we drop down like get to know people get involved in the apartment association for that state or go to local businesses in the area especially because we show up um and i get a full picture of everywhere and in the city that we're about to move to and whether they suck or not because we're trying to rent um since we're only there for a couple of years so usually i've already identified all of the people who probably don't know that they need or want my help yet um but those are great people to start with <laughs> That makes sense. Um, talk to that though. The um, even even with the the support of your husband to just be like, yeah, go for it. Um, because with right, you're absolutely right. Even though it's uncertain where you're going to be moving and all the other things, you've got that kind of um the safety net. But talk talk to that from a from a mental or like a mental standpoint of um taking the leap and how the con like how the conversations went and if you like let's set up a scenario say if um if you were going to start for somebody listening if they want to start a business kind of how they would want that conversation to go like the situation to create say okay you're going to take the leap and you're going to jump into a business these are the things that we need to make these are the ducks that we need to have in a row before you are not bringing in income for six months or a year or whatever, whatever the case is, right? Because the first sale is always the hardest one and then it gets easier after that. But talk to that a little bit, those conversations and kind of what sort of things you guys had to put in place um, before you took the leap. Uh, I had no plan. Uh, there was a lot of imposter syndrome. So this was, uh, this was definitely not a formal process. It was probably the best uh, version of organic that I could probably describe to you. Um, there was no like set plan. It was literally just, okay, we're, we're moving. You know, I, I need some time to myself anyway. Um, I needed to take some time and do like therapy and kind of figure my own crap out. Um, which, you know, sometimes you do when you arrive around that 30 mark, you're like, man, I think I might have some suitcases to unpack, um, to kind of make sure that I am the best version of myself. Like, um, I have to be in a place where I can actually help people. Um, and honestly, I had a lot of healing to do from that industry, from all of the, the stress and the survival mode and, um, a lot of the human interaction that I had, I just really had a lot to, to kind of unpack and prepare myself. And so we just kind of agreed that that was going to be the, the time period that, that was best for it because that already was not, uh, not working. So, um, I would recommend maybe having a financial plan as far as like, um, I, a friend of mine who is a CPA um, that I went to college with had really good advice. He said, you know, why don't you come up with a number that's your absolute number of, you know, investment. And if you are not making money by the time you get through that startup amount, whether it's $1,000 or $10,000 or whatever it is, whether you have it set aside or you have a line of credit or you keep working, you know, like part time or something to funnel your capital, um, however it looks for you um have that non-negotiable number where you say okay this is the part where I need to make a decision so for me it was very organic um I was just using our everyday funds to fund all of the startup process you know the the LLCs the 
starting a bank account, the, you know, getting your like tax ID numbers and getting your business license and insurance and all of those things. Um, I wasted a lot of money on classes. Um, I totally got sucked into like paying other entrepreneurs who were like coaches teaching you how to be a business owner. But the most valuable thing that I learned from that was, was really about myself. And that if you're going to go do it, you need to know yourself and know your self-worth and you're going to, you're going to question yourself a whole lot, a whole lot of different times. Um, and you're, you're just going to have to have the grit to like, keep, keep pushing. It sounds really cliche, but it's very challenging emotionally. Um, especially before you have success or before you really know what it looks like. And I've become really comfortable with the fact that it is, it's organic. It's always evolving. It's always changing. Um, and I've made a lot of progress personally and professionally over the last three years. So you just have to be comfortable with that, that it, like some people are perfect, like depending on what you want to get into, it's very cut and dry. You can do a business plan like all of that. But for me, it was just, I know that I know what, what to do and how to do it. And I want to help people. Um, and at the time that I came up with this there, I'm not joking. There was like two or three other people that were like doing what I do, like consulting and coaching specifically for property management. And then in the last three years, it's kind of funny because people have just started coming out of the woodwork. And now there's like, everyone is doing what I do. You're a property management coach, or you teach people how to work less or whatever. Um, so it's, it's weird to go into something knowing that it, it's gonna blow up. I knew it was going to be really successful, but I had to figure out how to get to that part. And I think that was probably the hardest with like figuring out the path of reality of how to get from it being an idea to it actually being the blow up success that I knew it would be. Yeah. That was, it was scary. It scared me. It scared me that I knew that I had something that if I would just like get comfortable with being uncomfortable to like share my story and talk about everything um, that I've experienced and and share knowledge with people and connect with them, um, that it was going to blow up in a good way. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's worked out a little bit for you. Um, I was talking with somebody yesterday that the part that you mentioned about um, unpacking your own suitcases and being the best version of you that you can be. He, I was talking with somebody yesterday. He said the same, we were talking about the same thing. It's like how you can't really help other people if you are not helping yourself or like you've not put the work in yourself to face the things that you've got to take care of. Um, the, one the thing that I say often is like, how can you love other people if you don't love yourself? It's like, you don't know how to love, like you have to love the person that you spend the most time with, which is you like, yeah. so um, yeah, that's really cool actually that you managed to kind of do all that in one swoop. And I also, we all, we were also talking that when you face those things, that's when all the growth starts to happen because you become comfortable with facing uncomfortable things but also be you become secure in yourself and so obviously you'll question things but that's a good quality you want to be questioning things to improve and and all these things um so if if somebody was so let's let's see i've got like a gazillion questions I'll, we'll go with this one um if somebody was going to start if somebody let's say um they had bought a house and they were moving and they wanted to rent it out or it's their first kind of foray into uh we'll say property management what are some i don't know i'm sure you've got like a flyer for for this but like what is some basic starter advice for somebody that's trying to do that yeah i have like a like a top i i've tried to make it like top 10 but it's really like a top 50 list of like what do you even consider when you're trying to figure out like do I rent my house out by myself to someone or do I use a property management company at least for like a year or two until I figure it out? Um, and then how do I pick one? Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, yeah, where are you staying in the US? Are you going to be near the state your house is in? Are you moving like overseas or to a, a place where you can't get to it? Um, you got to have some some companies in place if you're going to rent it out yourself. Like you got to have vendors that you rely on, people that you can trust. Um, definitely like a Millie Scout or somebody that's a good friend of yours that's staying in that area that can like check on the house, that can kind of manage or check behind things for you. I would say if you have no idea what you're doing, you probably should think about using a, a management company for a year or two because they're, um, there's a lot of 
deep mud that you can get yourself into if you have no earthly idea how to be a landlord, um, aside from like laws and stuff, uh, just, you know, leases and running background and how to pick somebody who's qualified. How to, what's the prep process? How do you handle it? Like when they totally jack up your house um, or, you know, how do you determine like wear and tear? How do you know what to charge them for? So if you don't know how to navigate all that stuff from personal experience, maybe you've been a tenant for a long time. So you feel like you've got a hold on it. Um, my biggest thing is giving away that small chunk of money every month. So you're not making anything. You're probably breaking even if you're paying a property manager. And that's probably like the hardest thing for military families to let go of is it's only a couple hundred dollars a month probably that you're getting unless you're in a really good financial situation and you bought a while ago and you're just now ready to rent for a crazy price um, and a good profit. Now the margins are really tight, right? Like people are paying a lot for their mortgage and they're about to go either pay a lot for another mortgage or pay a lot for rent. Um, so there's not as much room as there used to be. And if you're giving all of that away to a property manager, you're basically just breaking even every month. So yeah. It's a lot to think about. Yeah. Rates are, uh, <laughs> very high. Um, okay. So one of the things that we've talked about before, and we've alluded to it a couple of times that, that you are a military, um, spouse, and I want to touch on the fact that like, what is that like? to be right requires a lot of sacrifice and obviously you guys love each other that's why you're married um and, but but aside from that you have to put kind of your own life on hold and or create your own that you can take with you which is what you've done so what has that been like for you getting um <laughs> getting into that situation in the first place but but you get into into that situation, you're like, okay, we're probably going to be moving every couple of years. It means whatever plans that I had for myself are now just like poof because of X, Y, of all these reasons. What was that like for you? And can you touch on just the people that would have no idea or just think that, oh, well, the military just takes care of it for you and yada, yada, just touch on like what it's like and kind of the sacrifice, but also the pros and cons all things right we don't just need to be mean to everybody but like what's it like for you as like going through it yourself um it's not as bad I think as it could be um it's still very stressful but you kind of get the hang of it and you get into like a routine um and you kind of have like stop and start points because I know that I'm about to leave or I'm six months out from leaving or maybe around, you know, X many months out from leaving. And that's kind of when you start to like detach um, and you start thinking about like, all right, what's next? When, when do we find out where we're PCSing? When do we, you know, when do I get to like start doing all the things again? Because you start chasing the checklist of like preparing to move and finding a new place to live and just navigating all that. And it's so different for everyone. I'm really uh, grateful that we don't have kids. Um, I love kids. Kids are great. That's not what I mean. Um, I think that's probably the hardest thing is uh, seeing spouses who are um, pregnant and trying to navigate moving, um, PCSing for permanent change of station, um, and people who have kids of, of any school age or early childhood. Like that's, you know, your parents all the time are trying to find friends for their kids and trying to find mom friends and um, you can either be a hermit or you can kind of get out of your comfort zone. It's, it's really easy to get into like a mental health slump where you just kind of think like, all right, well, it's all pointless. Like we're going to leave again. So why would I try? Um, I admit I'm a little tired at this duty station. We've been pretty busy for the last several years and in our personal life. So I don't have that desire here to like go meet new people or start a new church or, you know, in my not, it came really easily because um, I was going to college. I was really involved in uh, DECA and like clubs and um, and church and like just all these things that we had like a really big community there. So coming off of that um, is a little daunting because it was really easy. Um, we were going lots of places. And so I personally don't really seek uh, getting involved in all the things in order to try to meet people or make friendships because I'm a very like I'm a very guarded person. Um, it's hard for me to make real friends and I don't really need a list of people that I can't actually call for anything if I need help. So I think, you know, being able to break down barriers and 
being being resilient and kind of you just kind of get into routine is how you survive it but for me it's the mindset like we're never gonna I'm not gonna decide ahead of time that we're gonna move somewhere that's gonna suck I just don't have I don't have that list of places like everywhere is something unexpected it's something new it's new people it's new experiences um and for right now like I'm focusing on trying to invest in the people that I've been friends with already um but I never have time to talk to right because they're not in my everyday life when I'm here so it's always important to have you know like a vet a a pet sitter somebody to call when there's an emergency when your husband's either deployed or TDY or whatever because that's when crap's going to hit the fan it's just a rule so you know having those staples or maybe somebody in their like work family that you can call for help but other than that you just kind of roll with it. I, 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 it can chew people up and spit them out, or you can work really hard to just make it a cool thing. Yeah, I feel like the mental resilience for both that and also working in like a leasing office or whatever is crazy because the amount of different people that you are dealing with and creating relationships with and then leaving and then creating new relationships and some somebody down the hall broke something and you got to deal with it at work and then you go home and you're okay we're leaving in three months and I feel like there was like at what point are you well you already mentioned you just kind of roll with it but in my head I, I would I would struggle with that personally to do that like I hate yes. moving partially because I hate moving things but also like change necessarily is not I don't dislike change but I don't like moving generally Um, yeah I think you know there's a lot of cliches like oh you knew what you were signing up for or you volunteered for this or well that's what I'm getting at everything for you it's not hard you don't even have to pack your own stuff or move your own stuff and and just the reality of the like being in the actual situation it's not all of those cliches um it's it's never simple. It's always complicated. You're dealing with the government and everything has to be complicated and there's a lot of paperwork and waiting and last minute changes that are unexpected. And um, we moved ourselves this last BCS. We drove from Missouri here. Um, at the last minute, we didn't know that we were going to be packing up all of our stuff and loading it and driving here. Um, so that was cool. It was a cool experience, but most people are not prepared for that in any way, shape or form. Like you just have no. to be ready for things to change at the last minute and just stay flexible. We don't really ever um, rely on anything to be definite. No, you can't. You can't in that in that world. It's impossible. Always something is changing for no reason because somebody somewhere decided that some rule wasn't applicable anymore and all sorts. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is on the flyer that Brandon, shout out to Brandon. If you haven't gone gone to listen to that episode, people listening, you should because he got blown up by an IED and he jumps out of planes. So that's pretty cool. Um, he's okay, by the way. Um, on the flyer, I said that you're a motivational speaker. So what, what does that mean to you? How did you jump into that from property management and leasing and all the other stuff? And lots of people on the internet say that they're motivational speakers and they're motivational videos and motivational this and that. And I personally, mm, let me, let me try and phrase this carefully. I don't think that they're all liars, but I think that there, I think that there are some like, like what to you, what is a motivational speaker and how did you jump into that? Because it's just telling people, I don't know. In my head, it's just telling people to fix their own shit, basically, kind of. I don't know. Is that is that yeah. wrong or is that for oversimplified? Me, <laughs> for me, what I picture is is all of the videos on the internet of successful entrepreneurs telling you that you know if you're not getting up at two o'clock in the morning and literally you know doing a, a dry sauna and an ice bucket challenge and a cold shower and a all of, you know, and journaling and, and affirmations and like, you're not, you know, drinking beet juice and then drinking your greens, like just everyone has like (laughs) their thing (laughs) that works for them that they, you know, live and die by and they share with other people. And for some people it checks and it's not going to check for everybody. So, um, for me, listening to a speaker that sucks is like torture. I've been fortunate enough that I've been to like a lot of events and I've, I've been stuck in the room that you can't get out of. Um, and 
But that's where I learned that you need to keep it short and sweet. Like I try to hit like 30 to 45 minutes. We're not here to win any like long time awards because no one wa- no one is going to pay attention that long. I have uh, ADHD and I'm cool with that now. I didn't know about it until like two years ago. So I can't pay attention for crap unless I'm like really dialed into you and I'm really connecting with what you're saying. And it's either like on a personal level for me and I can identify with it or you've got like this crazy story and you're really like drawing me in or you're actually teaching me something that I really want to know. So for me, it's um, finding the right audience. I'm not just going to like go talk to anybody. I mean, granted, I am new at this. No one's like beating down my door yet. And that's totally fine. Um, but I would be willing to say no to something if I know that I can't really serve them or like connect with that group of people. So for me, it's, I've invested a lot of time in trying to figure out how to be comfortable with and how to tell my personal stories and experiences, um, in, in life and in industry in a way that is encouraging to other people. And you kind of like, I've learned from some really amazing people just about the right way to tell a story and bring somebody along with you while you're talking about it um, and then ending it in a way where you're actually offering value through that. So you're offering them an avenue to kind of break down some barriers and connect with you and keep them engaged while you're talking. And then also bridging that with getting them to buy in so that when you do get to the part where you're offering them value or something that they can potentially take away or even just chew on for a little while, or tell someone else about um, is really where the difference is for me. So you got to get me on the right day. I like to listen to like a podcast or um, honestly, like look at photos of old awful rentals um, (laughs) that I've lived in just to kind of like get me in the right headspace. Um, I can tell by the tone of my voice and the way that my mouth is actually moving if I'm trying too hard or if I'm like in the right headspace and I'm being genuine and I can actually like offer something to somebody. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, f- okay. First, actually, we'll go on that. F- we'll go on that part first. And then I'll go back to the other question while we're on it. Does that get in your own head when if you're talking to somebody and you're like, my voice is not doing XYZ or my like, does that get in your own? Because I am generally very ex- expressive. And so I have to watch myself like at work. If I'm frustrated with somebody, I have to, you know, um, does that. Pause. Yeah, or I have to hide, like hide my expression, or or whatever, and I have to be conscious of it. How, does that get in your own head? How do you deal with that? Um, so I I work with a lady right now who is is awesome. Um, before I uh, did an interview with them, I d- I do contract work as well, so um, I'm doing some contract work right now, and I still had to go through an interview process for that. So uh, she has like the biggest tip before you do interviews is like you have like your hype up playlist. Um, and for me, there's so many different things on a different day, depending on where I'm at personally, um, in my flow or in success or however I'm at, like where I'm at emotionally too, of what's going to work for me. So usually it's like listening to music. I listen to like music before this, just to kind of like chill me out. Sometimes I watch Gilmore Girls for like literally the 857th time because it's just a comfort show for me. Like it's not stressful. I'm not worried about it. It's just background to me. Like I can just kind of like zone out and like chill. Um, But my voice actually changes uh, to the point that it will stop me in my tracks. If I'm speaking, even if I'm just like giving a presentation or I'm teaching something on something that I'm totally comfortable with, like totally comfortable, um, I'll start to hear it. So my voice actually like will start vibrating Um, And it's really hard for me to actually get the words out. And the second that I realize that it's happening, I'm no longer up here. Like I'm now freaking out about everyone who can tell that I'm doing that. And it's actually impossible for me to pull myself out of it. So being in the right headspace and staying in the right headspace is really, really important for me because it will literally stop me in my tracks and I can't keep going. So that's that's happened to you before. Mm Mm-hmm. It's never happened at a speaking event, but it's happened during presentations and in like academic environments. Um, The first time I learned about it, I was actually speaking at my high school graduation. (laughs) So all of my nerves or adrenaline actually comes out of my voice instead of like my leg shaking or my heart pounding. Um, But it also, I think, gives me pause to know that like whatever that is, is really important to me and it scares me a little bit. And that's not a bad thing. So when when that happened, 
what was what what like what happened like what's the story what happened like how did you deal with it like because well, I don't I don't know just go on on if if you're comfortable talking about it of course yeah um well when I was in high school I was I was clueless um so <laughs> I really didn't know what to do I just kept forcing the words out and I sounded like a nut I'm sure that there is some like sony camcorder version of my speech on a cd somewhere okay we're not quite at a floppy disk okay so we're good we graduated to a cd i'm doing pretty great yeah, <laughs> killing the game but um i just kept going but what stopped me was um i was reading off of like a paper because they made us type out the speech instead of like give it freehand which is what i wanted to do um and i messed up and so i knew that i messed up and like I was, I was already mortified to do what I was doing, even though I loved it. Um, and so I just kept pushing and I just sounded like a nut and I was so glad when it was over. Um, and everyone was really nice to me and really encouraging about it. And no one really ever brought it up, but I knew it was happening. Um, literally the only, the other time that it happened to me was when I was in college, um, in North Dakota, I was giving a presentation and it was a group presentation. And so every person that went ahead of me sounded like they had done a whole lot more work than I did. And so I knew by the time it got to me, the piece that we had all already like pre-agreed on, the part that was coming out of my mouth was gonna make it sound like I basically did nothing. Um, and I care a lot about what people think. I'm not shy about that. It's it's a blessing and a curse. It's just part of who I am. And so once I realized that that professor who I really respected and cared a lot about and had a good relationship with, I realized that they were gonna think that I had done the bare minimum basically and was like the, the crappy person who didn't do anything did you? for the project. Like, did you? Or did you think it. that or did you think that you put in the work beforehand? Like I knew that and I was trying to like have that conversation with myself that like it didn't matter how it presented itself. I knew that I had put the work in, but because I was afraid of being graded on it and like being judged, that was the fear piece. So I think for me, like I have work to do on not worrying about it. But like, if I make eye contact with somebody and it's like the wrong person, my brain just starts spinning. I'm like, oh crap, are they not interested? Are they having a bad day? Are they not okay? Like, it's really easy to distract me. So um, I just have to be careful and I love making eye contact. So if I'm speaking, I can't, I can't make eye contact. I look around, but I can't look at people. Interesting. So here's, here's why I'm asking about these instances is because then later you've made the decision now that you want to do some sort of public speaking but you've got you have these stories where it seems like i would uh, it seems like you wouldn't want to have to go through that again but you've made the you decision like, yeah that's probably so, not a for you thing well no not 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 even necessarily it's just like you have somehow switched in your brain you're like okay i know that that this that this thing happens to me but i am going to work through it anyways so in college okay so how did how did it turn out in college did you present and it went fine or, or like how like what happened in there yeah, I sounded, I sounded absolutely ridiculous because my voice was just like vibrating um, while I'm like struggling to get words out, but we finished up. We got a great grade. I still speak to that teacher to this day. Like it wasn't the end of the world. So I think like continuing to just teach myself to pull myself out of the headspace or like talk me out of it or shift my focus as, is really just been a lot of the last few years of like building a toolbox a toolbox of like, okay, I understand myself. I know what to expect from myself. I know what to do to like fix it or shift or adjust. Um, I, I have to be okay with like listening to myself and knowing that what I need is maybe not going to work for anybody else. Um, cold plunging and waking up at three o'clock in the morning and running seven miles, like all, none of that stuff works for me. Um, so just, yeah, just being comfortable with my toolbox and knowing what to grab for and when. Yeah. Cause the question that I was going to, the second question that I was going to ask before um, was if you had had any experience, like if you had done theater or anything, like you had any experience on stage, which is why you wanted to get into it in the first place. Um, so what was in your head? You're like, okay, these things have happened, but I want to do it more. Like what, like what was the conversation with yourself? Like when you decided that you wanted to go do that? just the drive, that drive to want to help other people or to be a resource. Like 
I've been really fortunate that I have had a lot of entrepreneurs to learn from the last few years who afforded me the opportunity to understand what it feels like to connect with someone and to feel heard or seen or something to identify with. Um, and then like something to learn from them. And even just to feel comfortable that like me as a person going through life is it's okay to just be how I am. Um, and also to, to not just accept stuff that keeps coming to you, like not just accept that, okay, well, everything's crappy in, in this industry and it's hard and it's stressful, but that's just how it is. So I'm not going to like say you guys are doing that wrong or we need to make changes. Like, um, the, I think just the drive to offer that to other people is, is just such a bigger pull than fear. And that's always what I go back to is you have a purpose. You're not just like here to make money. I'm not trying to make a living. I'm not trying to make a retirement home. Like we're out here trying to change lives. Um, and there's, there's actual human beings at stake and their homes and their health and their well-being. And to me, that's more important than, um, than anything that scares me. It might take me a lot longer than somebody who isn't afraid of any of that stuff. Um, but that's ultimately what pulls me back every time. That's quite remarkable, to be honest, because fear is overcoming some sort of fear. Fear is such a strong pull. And so it's so easy to avoid those things. Has anyone told you that before? That that's crazy that you've kind of done that. Not not just just from a life standpoint, because you've put it you're put you you've put yourself into these positions that you are afraid of and you said, No, I'm gonna go at it anyways. That's that's in a good way as amazing because and people should learn from you to do that because that's it's really it's really cool that you've done that. And I don't know, um so my wife is a psychologist and and I know I'm not I'm not a psychologist at all but I've read enough psychology things to know um that when people are scared of something the amount of willpower that it takes to go at that thing and to voluntarily confront that thing is nuts um and even if it's especially when it's in public so your thing is not it's not facing a part of yourself where you got to look in the mirror and be like i don't like this part of myself but i can work on it it's if you mess up a whole bunch of people are going to see it and that is mm, props to you that's nuts well i'm I'm either going to uh have a funny joke to talk about later and i, I probably will cocoon to recover uh for a while after it happens if it happens again um or it'll be horrible and I'll run away and run off stage, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just resort to making fun of myself and address the fact that I sound like a nut job and um, it's going to take me a second to like recompose because that's, I mean, being authentic is just, it's really important to me. And it's, it's taken me a while to get comfortable with that. Um, and again, just role models and people to learn from. Yeah. So where did you get the, cause you, you, you texted this to me as well. The, I said, "Hey, do you want to come on the show?" And you said, "If it provides value to your podcast." And I, in my head, I will, any guest provides value to my podcast. I'm struggling for guests, so sure, by all means. But where did you get that mindset from? That even we had never spoken before, and that's the thing that you said when you could have looked at it and been like, "Oh, he's got a hundred and whatever episodes. Maybe I'll get some business out of this." Or immediately you went to the flip side of, "If I can help you, I'm down for it." Where did, where does that come from? Uh, that's oh, quite frankly, it's just in my DNA. Um, yeah. I've gotten a lot more comfortable just saying that's who I am as a person. Um, but I just, I'm just not the sleazy like car salesman that's out there to like only, I'm only going to go on your podcast or do something for you or with you that is good for me too. I love when things are mutually beneficial. I think that's an awesome place for people to, to come together. Um, it's still great for me. I've never done a podcast and I've been wanting to. So um, I appreciate that you invited me. So yeah. I, I think I'm still like continually in awe that like this is my life and this is happening. And there's several things that have happened in the interest of like this being real and successful for me over the last several weeks. And so I'm always just, just grateful and excited when somebody wants to invite me into their world, but 
offering value is is just what I'm what I'm here for. I I want people to always benefit. I'm not always looking at is this good for me first and then you second. Yeah, that's very refreshing. There's a lot of selfish people that exist. So it's very refreshing for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I feel like the real estate world is full of full of people like that. Um because it's easy to get people who are new into into that world and all the legal jargon and oh you didn't read subsection five paragraph one b of whatever thing where i wrote in that i can do something to what you know what i mean um wow that was very refreshing i appreciate that yeah for sure um i don't even know okay where can the people find your i feel like this is a natural kind of conclusion but where, where can the people find your business websites any of that stuff uh, yeah, so I do. Um, I spend a lot of time on Instagram just trying to make people laugh and also showing them my beagles. I have two dogs and I take a lot of photos of them. So I share them to like just brighten people's day, honestly, because I think they're cute. Uh, so you can find me at multifamily motivation on Instagram um, or they can go to my website. Uh, selfishly, it's asiapleasant.com because it's simple. Um, I have advanced consulting pros.com and I realized at some point that I'm going to meet more people that are probably going to remember my name than they're going to give a hoot about my company name and try to remember that later to find me. Mm, so fair enough. we just went with it. Yeah. Those, so, um, those links will be in the description, obviously for those listening, if you're interested or have any questions about the industry, I'm sure you got loads of information on there. I would assume the, like the top 10 things that we talked about earlier and, and all sorts of things like that. Um, any last nickels before, before we get out of here? Oh man. Uh, yeah. I love to talk to anyone and everyone. So even if you just have a question, like I love to meet people. So if somebody is curious or they want to know something or they have a burning question, just, just hit me up. Um, I always respond at some point. So uh, I love to connect with people. Please reach out to me. Um, and then just just being true to yourself, I think, is it's so cliche, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned in the last few years is just being comfortable in your own skin, knowing what works for you, and then also being comfortable recognizing when it's time to push yourself out of the comfort zone. It's okay to operate in a zone of comfort, but you also have to know which times it's time to push. 100%. Great advice. With that, guys, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.